to match me. My style is impetuous. My defense is impregnable. And I'm just ferocious. I want your heart. I want to eat children. But authorities continue to investigate an all-out brawl in Ben Salem, Bucks County. They call themselves America's number one buffet, the Golden Corral. But Friday night, it seemed like America's number one free-for-all. More than three dozen people were throwing fists and even throwing some chairs. Action News reporter Walter Perez is live outside the Golden Corral on the 1400 block of Street Road in Ben Salem. Walter, what is the latest on all of this? Well, Jim, we just did a Zoom interview with someone involved in that fight. Now, there's always two sides to a story, sometimes three, but Alexis Rios did give us really good insight into exactly what happened. Action News spoke with one of the people at the center of this melee that erupted inside the Golden Corral in Ben Salem this past Friday afternoon. Alexis Rios says it started over a misunderstanding regarding a piece of steak. Rios says the person in front of him became angry with the cook because Rios received his steak first. He's trying to understand what you want. He's trying to give you what you want. I had a rare steak, which is a lot faster to cook than a well-done steak. That's why I got my steak first. And Rios thinks part of the reason things escalated so quickly is because everyone was wearing masks. And he believes the people involved had a hard time understanding what the others were saying. With COVID right now, mask and everything, nobody can hear nobody sometimes. There's a lot of commotion there. The cook, the cooks behind there are talking nobody can hear nobody you have to speak up loud next thing you know he says that misunderstanding erupted into an all-out brawl i grabbed the chair to defend myself and then sooner or later that was it punches were getting thrown chairs were getting thrown you name it you can call it cups glasses everything you name it officials from this golden corral franchise release a statement regarding the melee reading in part we notified the local authorities, and they are investigating the incident. Thankfully, no serious injuries have been reported. The safety of our guests and our co-workers is our top priority. And Rios admits he is amazed everyone walked away relatively unscathed. Nobody was underground. Nobody got hurt. I got a bruise on my nose. My brother got a black eye. My brother got a, a, a lifted nail, and that was it. Now, the investigation is ongoing. So far, no arrests. Any possible charges linked to this case would include simple assault and disorderly conduct. Reporting live from Ben Salem, Walter Perez, Channel 6, Action News. Jim, thank you. <laughs> it's been a while, guys. Uh, I had to come back at you right. Uh, I had to recharge my energy. So, uh... If you planned on going down the Golden Corral, this is the Tough Talk Podcast for those of you who don't know. I took a brief little hiatus there, like I said, getting my energy right. But uh, I'm proud to say as I watched this video here of the Golden Corral Buffet Brawl that happened in, where is this? Ben Salem, Pennsylvania. February 1st, I, I didn't see... I think I might have seen one black person there. So it's mainly white people and Hispanics, which I also love this guy's take of, you know, I had to grab a chair, pick up a chair to defend myself. And it's like, yeah, tell it to the cops. Tell it to the judge. <laughs> Don't tell it to us. Tell it to the judge, bro. I had to pick up a chair, you know, to defend myself. <laughs> I do, however, like his reasoning for... uh why he got his steak first, you know, well, mine was rare. So, you know, if you get it rare, you know, that's fresh off the grill. You first up. 
But if you want that well done, that's going to take a little while longer. Seems logical to me. And he did make a good point with, hey, man, with these masks on, we really can't hear like that. So although I didn't think they'd be wearing a whole lot of masks in the middle of uh, bumfuck PA here, but I guess they are. But yeah, man, as, a, as a, I, I frequent Golden Corral myself when I can find one because there aren't a lot of them in New York. They actually just opened one in the Bronx right before the pandemic. So I had to say, mm, I don't know if I want to do a buffet right in the middle of the pandemic in the Bronx because in the Bronx, somebody would have got shot. OK, uh, but uh, yeah, this was in Pennsylvania, luckily. And as they said, nobody was hurt. But uh, if you go to Golden Corral and you're looking for some steak, man, uh, be prepared to wait or be prepared to fight. So. <laughs> oh man this is crazy but yeah i i wanted to come back at y'all and get back with y'all on a few things here uh catch y'all up on what i was doing i basically explained during the middle of this segment that you know i hadn't been working for about eight months or so i was off uh collecting the Biden bucks and then the Biden bucks ran out and uh i had to get it together and get get back to a little day gig here and form a routine with that so i just been busy and then the show started picking back up so hadn't done a podcast in a minute which i won't elaborate too much on man uh because <laughs> i kind of did here in the middle of the podcast i'm a little out of order here i just it just hit me that i had a lot to say i hadn't talked to y'all in a minute and I, I started doing like two other podcasts one with andre and them and one with avery and it just seemed like one week turned to two turned to oh shit i haven't done my podcast in like a month or two but uh i'm back with y'all now uh i guess i catch up a little bit on the sports tip uh we got a super bowl next week so that should be fun uh, the Bengals have been fun the whole way. Uh, you know, Cincinnati. I'm from Indianapolis, Cincinnati, right down the road. They've never won nothing, so it's good to see. I don't think, I think last time they were in the playoffs, it was, I think, 88. So I was, or last time they went to the Super Bowl was 88. So then you got the Rams, who, which the Bengals, you know, this is the first time a quarterback has ever had his college wide receiver with him or first time in a long time coming right out. I don't think anyone's ever really drafted a quarterback one year and then his wide receiver the next year. But you're going to start seeing that more because Burroughs and Chase look like the real deal. And I mean, this is probably what a four year relationship at this point. So it's not like Burroughs is well, Burroughs is in his second year and. Uh, Chase is a rookie, so it's like they're not your typical second-year quarterback, first-year wide receiver duo. It's like they got chemistry from the college days. The irony is uh, Odell Beckham, if you remember when Burroughs won the uh, national championship in college for LSU, Odell Beckham went to LSU. So Odell Beckham, as an NFL player, went back and was celebrating with the uh, LSU championship team. And now Odell Beckham is on the Rams and the Rams are going to be playing the Bengals. So we got an all animal showdown here. Uh, Rams versus Bengals. Uh, Peter should be happy about this Super Bowl or or upset. I don't know 
how they feel about <laughs> team names anyway. But yeah, Odell Beckham was in the, I think he gave them some money and it was like a whole NFL investigation. I mean, he was kind of stunting and celebrating, was pulling out wads of money for Burroughs and Chase. And of course, that prompted an entire investigation, which now that they've got made the uh, rule where they can go ahead and get endorsement dollars, that that might not uh, matter so much. But yeah, Odell was kind of ahead, but now he's got to face, you know, the same kids that he was patting on the back or patting on the ass rather and also you may remember he patted that cop on the ass (laughs) because that's what you do when you fucking celebrate uh nfl championship although odell was a little too happy to be patting people on the ass and he couldn't resist the man in uniform apparently so he smacked the cop on the ass and it, it was on video and the cop, I guess, was embarrassed and tried to sue him. And yeah, I, I don't remember if that lawsuit actually, it, it felt like the cop was just being extreme of like, oh man, let me go ahead and charge him. And I don't know if Odell has paid him off or what, but we know he will not be working security at the game. And he's in the Me Too Witness Protection Program now, that uh cop. <laughs> He was so tight about Odell Beckham hitting him on the ass. Like, bro, it's a college championship celebration. Like, and I'm laughing because Odell Beckham, uh, his father, he Odell Beckham started the year in Ohio, but not in Cincinnati, but in Cleveland with the Browns. And Baker Mayfield just wasn't looking like he was getting it done. And people say he might have been hurt. Who knows? But whatever the case, Odell Beckham Sr., so Odell Beckham's father, was liking a bunch of Instagram posts, you know, that suggested different trade scenarios for his son. And the team caught on to it, and it kind of became a thing. And the next thing you know, Odell Beckham was released and got picked up by the Rams there. And, uh, you know, Matthew Stafford's over there. He spent years with the Lions. He actually had the Lions playing pretty good, which I always always make the joke that, you know, Axel Foley is the only Lions fan. And uh, (laughs) Axel Foley, that is of uh, Beverly Hills Cop fame. Remember he, Eddie Murphy and all that, he wore the Lions jacket because you, you don't just casually meet a Lions fan. There's a lot of pain involved there. Like the Lions are are traditionally bad but whatever Stafford was one of the few times the Lions actually look respectable him and Megatron which that's the other sin that Detroit Lions are guilty of like Megatron quit Megatron quit like seven or eight years into a Hall of Fame career and once he quit they were no longer good and Stafford just kind of toiled there in obscurity for about three years we kind of forgot Stafford existed number one pick out of Georgia and I mean, like I said, if you get the Lions to win, even if if for only two or three years when they had uh, Megatron him, they had a uh, Sue, big Sue that was stomping on people's chest. He was mean on defense anyway. So, yeah, you know, and the other person was uh, Megatron just quit, you know, woke up one day in Detroit with a bag full of money and said, why am I in Detroit? And just said, that's it. I'm retiring after like six or seven years. And then uh, you you remember if you're a 90s football fan, Barry Sanders Hall of Fame running back, one of the most fun to watch. 
he quit just mid-career of like, you know what, Detroit's depressing. I'm making $10 million a year for the last six years, and uh, I need to find a better place to spend this $60 million. So can't blame him. But, yeah, so the Rams are looking a bit like a team of destiny. You got all these vets coming together. You know, you got Matthew Stafford who bailed his way out of uh, Detroit. You got Odell Beckham, whose father kind of got him up off of the Rams or off of the Browns, which made me laugh because of uh, Antonio Brown. Uh, I think it's been a while. I I haven't done a pod since Antonio Brown had his incidents, but Antonio Brown, you know, ripped his shirt off mid-game against the Jets and, like, ran off the field. And, you know, he tried to blame it on everybody else, but it's like, Antonio Brown, first it was Mike Tomlin. Then, well, first it was Ben Roethlisberger. Then it was Mike Tomlin. Then it was the Raiders and the helmet. Then it was no white woman 2020 hashtag, no white woman 2020. Some sort of extramarital problems he was having with his baby's mama. Then it was, uh, you know, the Patriots. Then Tom Brady bailed him out again and brought him down to Tampa Bay the next year, won a championship. Then it's Bruce Arians and the Tampa Bay trying to make him play hurt. And after a while, it's just like, bro, it can't always be somebody else's fault. At some point, you got to take responsibility for some shit. Okay? Now, one or two of these was your issue, bro. Probably all of them. I'm going to go with all of them. So anyway... Had Antonio Brown have <laughs> just called his dad and said, yo, you got to get me up out of here like Odell Beckham's father. Start liking some tweets on Twitter and start liking some Instagram posts about me getting traded. So Odell did it the right way. He didn't fucking rip his shirt off mid-game or no dumb shit like that. He just went to the office and said, you see what my daddy shared on Instagram. You see his repost." You see his stories on IG. Get me up out of here, boss. And they got him up out of there. So, yeah. they The Rams feel like a team of destiny. I'm going to pick them to win the Super Bowl. Um, oh, you got Von Miller over there, too, who, you know, halfway. He won a championship with the Broncos when Peyton Manning was there. And he was kind of the captain of that defense and led them. I think he was defensive player of the year. So he bailed his way out halfway into the Broncos seasons. The Broncos realized, hey, he's worth a couple top picks. So we'll go ahead and swap him out and send him on over to L.A. And I mean, certain guys, they don't deserve to lose. And Von Miller is one of those players that, you know, motherfucker plays hard and goes every down hard as fuck. So it's like, yeah, get him up out of here. He's been nothing but a pro. And represented the organization well. Shit. And that's the thing, you know. I feel like mostly if you represent the organization well and you uh, <laughs> are a consummate pro, they'll kind of let you pick your destination, you know, to L.A. instead of being exiled to Detroit because they sent uh, Jared Goff packing to Detroit for Matthew Stafford. And you, you feel a little bad for Goff. Like, damn. They really, because they reached the Super Bowl a couple years before, and everybody felt like he should have played better. So, we'll see this year. But like I said, I I think that group of veterans, Von Miller, OBJ, 
uh, Matthew Stafford all getting, you know, a second chance at life with Aaron Donald. Obviously, that motherfucker's got a huge neck, Aaron Donald, super paws and all that. But uh, yeah, Aaron Donald's a huge motherfucker, defensive player of the year, which I was thinking I was watching one of these games where they were in the playoffs and they were barely scoring. And I'm like, yo. Sometimes you just got to get wild with it, like hand the ball to Aaron Donald and see what happens. Like I remember that bet those Bears teams in the 80s, those great ones uh, with Jim. Who what was that quarterback? I want to say Jim McMahon. Don't quote me, but he used to wear the uh, head wrap. And I feel like I saw a play where they handed the ball to the uh, linebacker, a lineman, uh, refrigerator Perry, and he ran in. And it was just like a trick play. But it's like, yo, he only needs two yards. So. Yeah, I definitely feel like I saw that. So I'm looking at this playoffs like, yo, maybe we being a little too uh, conventional here. Hand that ball to Aaron Donald and see what the fuck happens. I mean, you see what Brady was doing with Gronk. <laughs> you see what Brady would do with Gronk. He would do it with anything with Gronk, especially once he lost AB, which, by the way, after Brady retired, which I think. I feel sorry for Brady. Brady just, you know, that remember Randy Moss? He had to live through Randy Moss and he had to live through Antonio Brown, <laughs> which if you remember, him and Moss broke every fucking record conceivable when they were with the Patriots, went undefeated and then lost in the Super Bowl to the Giants, which no New Yorker will let you forget. Eli beat him twice. And, you know, Philly kind of messed that up. Philly beat him. But, uh, yeah, so... Fucking, you know, he saw Randy Moss and then the next year, Randy Moss, like, I don't even know, started whining about his salary and uh, Belichick, Belichick was like, get the fuck out of here. Which is funny now because Moss is an announcer and I'll have to go back and check and see what he had to say about AB and his little episode because everybody tried to blame it on CTE and it's like, oh, stop. Plenty of motherfuckers got CTE and they never took their shirt off midfield and ran around naked. Anyway, <laughs> but yeah, Randy Moss, people forget how Randy Moss got out of there. So he wind his way out of there and then Belichick was like, nah, we're not having it. And then he went back to Minnesota for like, I want to say two games and was like, yo, you know, they had some sandwiches or something in the locker room and. He said, yo, I wouldn't feed that shit to my dog. And then they cut him from there. And he wound up on the Titans that year. I know because I was playing a whole lot of Madden with him. And every day, Randy Moss was on a new team on that Madden. And I was just like, yo. So anyway, Hall of Famer, great talent, Moss. But yeah, Brady had to deal with Moss's shit. Then he had to deal with AB's shit and was just like, I'm retiring. So Brady's retired. Which I always feel like the larger part of that story. Yeah, he was great. Yeah, he's regarded as the GOAT. But we all know they changed rules to where you can't touch the quarterback now. And the bigger part of his and Belichick's success there in New England was how trash that division was. I mean, when you're rolling out the Miami Dolphins and when you're rolling out the Buffalo Bills every year, and when you rolling out, who else? The Jets is in that division. It's like, yeah, you win the division every year. I mean, almost by default, bro. 
pretty much plug anybody in. I think they won the division this year. So, <laughs> well, no, the Bills, I think, were a little ahead of them. I could be wrong. Don't quote me. The Bills and Patriots, the Patriots made the playoffs. So, it's like, yeah, that division is pretty nasty. And Tom got down to, I think, the AFC there and said, yo, this shit is kind of hard. Or left the NFC down to the AFC and was like, this shit's kind of hard. But, uh, yeah, so... Brady hung it up. He's the GOAT. I mean, as far as quarterbacks go, you got to give it to him. Um, yeah, he's out the playoffs now. We'll see what the hell happens in Tampa Bay. But, yeah, I'm looking forward to the Super Bowl. And I think they, obviously, Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg are doing the halftime show. So that should be entertaining. Uh I want to see if Dr. Dre brings out Nocturnal or if he just brings out the stars. Remember Nocturnal? Motherfuckers don't remember Nocturnal. It's like Dre's had some misses. Don't forget those misses. Or maybe even Truth Hurts. Truth Hurts. I ain't seen her since I think she was in... uh, What's the movie? Shit. Training Day. I think Truth Hurts is in there. I could be wrong. Well, I know Macy Gray is in there. Am I mixing them up? I think Truth Hurts is in there, too. Anyway, and Snoop's in that movie in a wheelchair. But you had a halftime show, so the Super Bowl should be pretty entertaining. Uh, oh, I heard the Super Bowl, the halftime show, that they announced they're going to have a uh, translator on hand to uh, translate into sign language. So I'm looking forward to hearing... <laughs> Bitches ain't shit but hoes and tricks in sign language. I'm looking forward to seeing hand signals for bitches ain't shit but hoes and tricks. Uh, how about no hateration in this dancery? Can you can you translate that to sign language? What are the hand signals for hateration and dancery? That's not even in the dictionary. So let's see what the translator comes up with for that. <laughs> Which maybe I'm a little immature. That should be making me giggle. I'll be watching like... People do side language and like when somebody's singing a nasty song and they got to gyrate their hips <laughs> like they fucking Elvis. Ah, so, yeah, the Super Bowl should be pretty entertaining. I think that's enough ranting about football. I think I'm going to rant a little bit about basketball to y'all and when I come back. So let me take a little break here. Find me a drink. Yeah, so where was I? I think I was ranting and raving about the uh, Bucks and the whole Super Bowl and whatnot. Uh, yeah, what else is going on? Oh, my Pacers, I don't know, man. We just, my Pacers and, you know, I, they just haven't. I honestly came into this season with high expectations. I thought we had the best starting five in the east top to bottom not the best players obviously the best players Giannis or KD or whoever you want them to be or Embiid but top to bottom with Sabonis as our all-star I thought we had you know a good chance of you know being one of those teams you know like the Phoenix Suns were last year that top to bottom just were good and solid and made a nice run but uh Apparently, I don't know basketball people. That's why I'm not an expert. That's why I'm not on ESPN. That's why I do stand-up. Because, uh, yeah, we are trash. Super trash. Uh, 
as best as I could call it, I think we just, um, I think we had one of those teams where no one took on a leadership role. They're all about the same age and they all have the same demeanor. We would be down by 20 and nobody be pissed about it. It's like they're all outstanding and upstanding members of the community. They all uh, grew up in two parent homes. You know, LeBron's been filling the hole of not knowing his father with championship rings for like the last 20 years. <laughs> So, yeah, we were, uh, you know, yeah, we we looked like, on paper, like we should have been really good. You know, we had Malcolm Brogdon. He's good. He's, he gets out there. He leads the marches. Uh, I think he actually is one of the few NBA players that finished college in the summertime. And you go, that's good. But we needed one disruptive personality like Charles Barkley, if you listen to Barkley on inside the NBA on TNT he always will say every team needs a crazy guy and it's like yeah you kind of do need a guy that people don't know what he's gonna do is a little unpredictable like I was thinking about Latrell Sprewell and you think about him and he 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 choked his coach but made the NBA finals in the same season and I mean, they traded him after he choked the coach to the New York Knicks, obviously. But that was the last time the Knicks were in the finals. And the same thing when we had uh, Al Harrington and Steven Jackson back in the day in Indiana. And um, what did they do? Well, they got chased out of the club. A club called Tremors back in the day in Indy was notorious, you know, in the hood for being a bad spot. Like, don't go out here unless you got two or three people with you because uh you will get jumped so yeah even that even applied to the pacers apparently they got chased up out of there somebody had an ak-47 allegedly and uh jamal tinsley was suspended from the team larry bird was like stay home we'll still pay you but he traded al Harrington and steven jackson to Golden State after that. Golden State was an eight seed, and you may remember they went on to beat the Dallas Mavericks that year. And we got two white boys, uh, Mike Dunleavy and Troy Murphy, who their numbers were pretty close to Al Hearn and Steven Jackson, but uh, as as the uh, cliche goes in sports, they just ain't had a dog in them. They just ain't had that thug in them. And, and Al Hearn and Steven Jackson helped Baron Davis beat the one seed in the Dallas Mavericks and Baron Davis gave Dirk Nowitzki that nasty dunk like he put it right on top of his head super pause uh <laughs> speaking ahead everybody's showing their dick uh I don't know for some reason that sub clip of Nelly he said he accidentally uploaded it he's getting head and the girls are all calling it oh he's small he had that Vienna sausage and you go wait a minute I thought we wasn't doing no body shaming. Thought we wasn't doing no body shaming, ladies. What's what y'all doing? And somebody else, something about Lil Fizz too that used to be in B2K back in the day. That and girls is like, I know that's right. He got the right first name, Lil. <laughs> and then the uh, third was a bit of a shocker because for some reason Isaiah Rashad. Uh, 
Isaiah Rashad, the rapper, is uh, blowing a dude. And you're like, whoa, where the fuck did this come from? He, uh, and I mean, you know, to each his own, obviously. I don't give a fuck what people are doing. But it's only a shocker because you may remember he used to date uh, SZA. So everybody's like, wait, okay. Well, what was going on there? So, which like, you know, I was saying earlier of like, yo, like people are acting like, you know, people, he's going to lose fans or something. But it's like, bro, bro has an underground fan base and um, they're going to remain supportive. It's like, I'm sick of everybody acting like rap is so homophobic. It's like we got Frank Ocean in the mix. Uh, everybody, you know, there's rumors about Tyler, the creator that, you know, Tyler, the creator, uh, Frank Ocean, Lil Nas X, uh, Saucy Santana, that it's like, uh, Young M.A., and it's like, name another genre with this many people that are, you know, gay, and someone said, oh, well, Elton John, and I'm like, yeah, bro, that was 50 years ago. Like I said, name another genre. And I don't listen to a lot of genres outside of rap and R&B, obviously. But it's like, I don't think... And I mean, amongst us, we have our problems, obviously, to hold the baby debacle and whatnot. But it's like, name another genre with with this many um, openly gay artists up in the for, at the forefront. You know, Frank Ocean and different people. So you go, yeah, like, jokes are going to be made, which, like I said, you know, nobody trips when it's a straight dude. Like I said, they're killing Nelly, and that shit is funny. But anyway, back to my Pacers. So, boom, been waiting for February 10th because we are at the back of the division, which wouldn't be a problem if that's what we planned, and we planned that coming into the season. But one thing about us is we've always been competitive, uh, throughout my whole lifetime as being a Pacers fan, you know. We had these great battles in the 90s with the Knicks. That's where my fandom kind of starts. Uh, so, yeah, with the Knicks, with the Bulls, even if you watch uh, the Bulls documentary, The Last Dance, we're featured heavily in there because they're playing us deep in the playoffs. Then even if you flash forward to the current, you know, we had Paul George and, and Lance Stevenson were battling... Uh, Dwayne Wade and LeBron when he was in Miami a lot, you know, and then we got lucky somehow with Paul George that he woke up one morning and decided he no longer wanted to be an Indian. Somehow we got lucky and got two all-stars out of that deal. We got Oladipo who, you know, was a leader until he got hurt and was an all-star and then when he went down, Sabonis stepped up to be an all-star and which brings me to my next point that, like, you know, yeah, we've been waiting on the trade deadline. We've been hearing about Miles Turner. We've been hearing about Sabonis. And for some reason, they kept talking about Sabonis going to Sacramento or De'Aaron Fox coming over from Sacramento. Now, people were clapping and stuff, and I said, I, I like De'Aaron De Fox's game. He's hella competitive. But I'm going, the Sacramento Kings have the longest run of not making the playoffs. Like, they haven't been good 
since I was a kid, you know, since I was a fucking teenager when they were playing, uh, was it the, the Lakers, the Shaq and Kobe Lakers. So, yeah, that was the last time the Kings were good. They haven't been competitive since Chris Webber hurt his knee and they traded him to Philly. But so, yeah, I'm sitting, I'm like, why? You know, I'm looking at our fan base on Twitter and they're like clamoring to get this core, not just the Aaron Fox, but a couple players from the Kings. And I'm going, but it's the Kings of like, uh, what was I saying earlier? I said, yo, <laughs> if I was the NBA, I would forbid losing teams from trading with other losing teams. That is just like, I, I don't know what the record on that is, but it's like, yo. And I mean, if you're both around 500, maybe one of you has something that the other team needs. But if you're at the bottom of your division, like I, if I caught the Rockets in talks with, I don't know, the fucking Kings, like I would fucking find both teams. Like you, you two losers better not be talking about shit, but concession stand prices. But yeah, I was just surprised by our fan base clamoring to get players from the Sacramento Kings. Lo and behold, that rumor actually turned out to be true. Although instead of De'Aaron Fox coming to Indy, for some reason, uh, Halliburton, Tyrese Halliburton wound up getting traded. And he's a younger player, but people are saying he has more upside. But... I was kind of telling people like, yo, Sabonis is a two-time all-star. He's really, I don't want to say he's our leader because I don't think he's very vocal held. If you look at him in the face, it doesn't look like he speaks very good English. Anyway, <laughs> which nah, I shouldn't say that. He was probably raised in the States because his father played. Anyway, you know, if anybody was the leader on this team, it was him. So we got Miles Turner also who's leased the league in shot blocks and hasn't played in 15 games. So it was one of them that was going, and we all thought it was going to be Miles. So we woke up the other day and were like, wait, Sabonis is gone? And we thought De'Aaron Fox was coming or going, but he wound up staying. And the Kings now have a one-two punch with Fox and Sabonis. I watched last night. And, uh, yeah, Fox, is, Fox looks like he's fucking reinvigorated and ready to make a playoff run. And Sabonis is out there grabbing rebounds and tipping in putbacks and I think Sabonis had like 28 or 26 in his debut 26 14 and 5 so I'm like yo and they won they beat the Timberwolves so who knows man they might mess around and make the playoffs dog and Harrison Barnes was hitting and you're like yo we took Halliburton and Buddy Hill so right now the Kings are up in this deal, but we haven't played with our new players. And we got rid of Karis LeVert. We literally rolled into Cleveland Sunday and just left Karis LeVert there. And we also brought a Kardashian into town. We brought uh, Tristan Thompson into town. So, ladies, if you're into uh, cheating out in Indy, you might want to see what's up with that. <laughs> My man Tristan Thompson, he gets the job done, baby. Anyway, um... Yeah, it, it just was weird. And like I said, I, I don't want to shit on Halliburton because I've been wrong before. I was wrong back in the day. I remember Jalen Rose was my favorite pacer growing up. And he won most improved player. And then he signed this big contract 
after we went to the finals against the Kobe Shaq Lakers and I was heavy on him and after I think a year he got traded to Chicago for Ron Artest and Brad Miller and they both were two all-stars so it was a nice two for one so I'm gonna wait this one out maybe there's something I don't know about Halliburton like I said people are saying his upside's heavy and he's younger than Fox, but I, I really was wanting Fox, but I didn't think it was no reason in us taking Fox if we lost the bonus of like, you just lost the pick and roll guy, you know, and you got a guard now that can pick and roll, but lost the big guy, because that's kind of how you score points in the league, or the easiest way anyway, but, you know, Rick Carlisle's our coach, and last time I got a little PST, PTSD, because last time, Carlisle was our coach the brawl happened and we speaking of Ron Artest <laughs> and Carlisle was our coach so he's a championship coach he went out to Dallas and won a championship it took him a while but he, he got it done and uh I'm gonna try to trust that he knows what he's doing here so we're gonna wait and see what Halliburton brings I was extremely happy that Lance Stevenson came back he you know that's one thing I watch sports for. If you're looking for inspiration, Lance Stevenson was out of the league after, you know, being on the cover of magazines in high school, you know, as born ready and all that stuff and came into the league and, you know, got put out, had, I guess, some, I don't want to say he had some bad habits because he's never really been a whole lot of an issue off the court. But I guess people maybe didn't like his attitude in the locker room. He played, took a big contract with MJ and left my Pacers and uh, then wound up playing on like four teams in five years. Then wound up last with the Lakers and LeBron and then was out of the league for two years. And COVID probably had something to do with it. But he came in and took a couple 10-day contracts, one with the Hawks. Then we got him back after COVID hit our team. And played his ass off, came out against the Nets and scored 30, which is the record for off the most points in a quarter off the bench. I think is I think he scored 22, and that's the record now. So you're like, yo, the man had to go to fucking China and play. So if that don't humble you or make or motivate you to bust ass when you get on the court, nothing's gonna motivate you. Having to ride a bus in China after being on a cover of magazines in high school. Like I said, he came out, I think, the third game with the Pacers on a 10-day contract and busted ass, like I said, against the Nets, you know. Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. I think it was Kyrie's first game back, but he used it as a platform to say, I'm back, bitches. And, yeah, you know, busted ass. And we still lost the game, but the boy showed out, and in the next game, he had 14 assists off the bench, so it's like, yo, you gotta, he, and they played with him for a while, they gave him, I think, four 10-day contracts, which it used to be three, was the max before you had to either cut a guy or sign him for the year, but we signed him for the year, and he brought a little bit of that nastiness to our team of, like, I'll yell at some people, or I'll fucking I don't know, you know, you gotta do something, get the people going, and not just to get the people going, get your team going, and like I said, Brogdon, Karis LeVert, uh, Sabonis, Justin Holiday, they all would have the same face as we were down by 20, and it's like, Lance will cuss, Lance will knock some shit over, and you need that, so, 
he brought a little bit of that. <laughs> a little bit of that getting in the opposing team's uh, face. And everybody remembers Lance for that big moment in the playoffs against the Heat when we had Paul George and he uh, blew in LeBron's ear. So back to Barkley's point, every team need a crazy guy. And he's that for us, you know. Not that he's crazy, but he, he plays with some fire. Like I said, you need somebody that'll hang out at the club till 2 in the morning and you think they might not make practice, but they're going to show up for them games. Like I said, Spreewell choked the coach and made the finals in the same year. So to hell with those nice guys as they say they finished last. <laughs> so we need we need some fire, some passion. We'll see what, you know, Halliburton brings. But like I said, I woke up sad and was like, damn, we got rid of our two-time all-star. Like I said, Sacramento Kings fans have been on Twitter killing us. Like, So, yeah. So, yeah, you know, the Kings fans, I just felt like they was being a little um, a little unappreciative. Like, we sent you a two-time all-star, bitch. Show our fan base some respect online, don't. They were talking about Sabonis like he was washed or like he was trash or hurt or something. Like, nah, the one thing I can say about dude is he came to play every night. Came to play. It was a couple of them other jokers on the team that I had to be like, I don't know if he come to play every night. And, I mean, I could say the same thing about Lance Stevenson. Like I was saying, that's really all you can ask as a fan. You're going to have some nights where you don't shoot well, but there were nights where it's like, but are you trying? <laughs> so... Yeah, man, Kings, your fan base needs to chill out a little bit online. You haven't won in 20-something years, yet here you are acting like, they're acting like Tyrese Halliburton was fucking Michael Jordan. That They're like, we let him go? How dare we? And it's like, you wanted to get rid of Fox for some reason. <laughs> and like someone said, you got to give up something to get something, so... You know, I understand that concept. So I'm going to chill on Halliburton. But like I said, I want the Sacramento uh, Kings fans to chill out a little. Uh, what's going on on the comedy side besides Joe Rogan? Besides Joe Rogan, uh, the Fat Tuesdays documentary came out. That's uh, Guy Tory's got a documentary talking about, you know, the uh, comedy store used to do a show which a black show all black showcase well i shouldn't say all black because you know you could mix in some uh what are considered urban comics some white guys you know gary owens and whatnot but uh i haven't gotten a chance to check it out yet but i'm, I'm working on that this week but yeah fat tuesdays check out that documentary if you want to know or hear the story of the black comedy scene in LA in the late 90s early 2000s Guy Tory, and I've seen I think Snoop Dogg's on there talking because he would kind of frequent that room on those uh, Tuesday nights and a couple people you know Cedric the Entertainer I think I even seen Magic Johnson on there talking but uh definitely check that out uh the other thing is um one of my favorite rappers T.I has decided to do some stand-up and it's it's been causing some uh ripples in the comedy community because there are a few people who've spoken up and spoken up loudly to say what the hell is going on with this you know ti is now doing stand-up and 
I guess I feel a little too conflicted as a um, as a fan of T.I.'s. I, I would argue he's a top 10 rapper of the last probably decade or past 15, 20 years. And obviously people would always look at me crazy and I'm like, yo, dude really can put some words together and his beat selection is pretty good. I, I really respect what T.I. did in rap. And actually he's not even a bad actor, I don't think, which... You know the the uh, the spectrum on that tends to be somewhere between horrible and um, guys who just play themselves all the time. You know, it's like Snoop Dogg is not a bad actor because Snoop Dogg's always playing himself. And I mean, Fifty's kind of that way too when he acts. Of like that character Kanan on Power was pretty much him playing himself. So. Anyway, T.I.'s not, like I said, he's, you know, he's, he's a master in those fields. And there's a little bit of a, what we call halo theory that, you know, if you're great at one thing, then you get to jump over and do two or three other things. And uh, Samuel L. Jackson <laughs> famously spoke up and said, we don't need them rappers acting. So you get labeled a hater if you say what's on your heart. So I, I can't knock the few comedians I've seen say something about T.I. trying to be a rapper, which one pretty prominent or the most prominent one I've seen so far is um, Black Ron, who is a comedian uh, that, I, that I respect. I've seen him around on the scene. I've seen him kill some rooms up in Harlem. And, uh, you know, he used to be around back in the day with Willie Lynch. I see him around and that crew and like I said, a very funny dude. I can't knock Black Ron. Very original. Uh, he did the ABFF uh, Comedy Festival just as I did. I think he actually, though, was a winner. So, you know, we swing in the same circle. So I ain't going to throw no dirt on his name. I think he's a stand-up dude from what I know. And, and very funny and original. So, But he came out the other day on Instagram and just blasted, dropped like a... You know, when you, you when you see people type three paragraphs on Instagram, they really saying what's on their heart. And he just spoke on, you know, the dedication and the amount of dedication that it takes. And just what is this? Like, you know, don't play around with this thing that I love. And we, we all feel a little of that when people from other worlds jump into stand up because it's such a grind and you may grind for years and never really get too much of any notoriety so when notoriety when notable people or whatever jump over to try to do stand-up it's it's a little annoying because it's like well damn i can't even get you know a camera on me you got cameras on you already and you just started this yesterday so yeah black ron spoke his mind on instagram and it was interesting you got to see a lot of the today's comedians especially the black ones and what they thought right there in the comments you know in real time and at some point you know it tended to swing between one of two opinions which one being you know hey man focus on you and control what you can control and then two hey man he ain't taking nothing from you everything meant for you is meant for you and what's meant for him is meant for him and you're going I mean, yeah, but I can't fault my man for having for having a moment. And 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 I've been doing stand up a long time. And one thing I say about the business of it is it definitely 
it definitely doesn't allow you sometimes to speak your feelings because everybody wants the opportunity or wants to work with notable person X that just entered the game. So instead of just acting like, oh, okay, hey, this person had a moment or said a thing, people will instead try to protect their uh, best interests. So they'll go, well, I might want to do a show or open for them or write for them one day. So, hey, man, don't be saying that. That's wrong. This guy really cares. So I've seen a couple comedians I respect, uh, K-Dub, which I think is, I think he's a top probably 10 black stand-up comedian in the country like Young that's not famous. Look up K-Dub if you got some time and his body of work. Hilarious dude, like I said, one of my favorites, but he famously has been working with Grand Hustle. You know, him, Lil Duval, there's a few comedians that have been around T.I. for a few years and by a few years, I mean the, probably the last 20 years, some of them have done videos and different things with them or skits on albums so it's like yeah man um ti's kind of been comedy adjacent for years if you've been paying attention so this didn't surprise me on that level but to me i'm looking at it to say like okay i ain't gonna get all riled up because we've seen this before we saw you know blake griffin kind of flirting with stand-up comedy a few years ago some people were upset because Blake Griffin was doing stand-up. Blake Griffin was uh, at JFL, I think, doing stand-up. And people were just like, and it's like, yeah, but you're never going to be 6'10 and can dunk from the free throw line. So let him have his little moment. He'll soon see. It ain't a whole lot of rewards in this game. So those that aren't in it for the right reasons disappear very quickly. Cause it's like, bro, you can do it for 10 years and ain't no cameras coming, ain't no fame. They might not even give you a blue check on Instagram. <laughs> but they just gave it to the girl who's an ass model. Miss Twerksum, I think, got a blue check. But, <laughs> but, but you can't get one. And you've been writing fire material for 10 years. Anyway, so yeah, Blake Griffin, Will Smith flirted with stand-up as well. Will Smith flirted with stand-up you know, and had a few people writing. And I've been seeing even some comedians down in Atlanta working with T.I. And I was kind of wondering what they were working on. And then you realize, oh, he's actually working on stand-up. There is no project here. And I think it'll draw people out and he'll be a draw, if nothing else, like Wendy Williams and these different people that are comedy adjacent. Wendy Williams will do a showcase and she'll put up some of the funny... Uh, lady comedians in the game you know who, who who worked with wendy williams and i may be wrong in this but i think like uh hadia robinson who's very funny you know and it, it's a nice payday for them the shima franklin's and the mimi simpsons that work kind of with these people instead of against them so uh, you know as comedians we do always have a very me against the world kind of look at this and and then and I relate to what, what Black Ron was saying, because we definitely, you know, we love the game and we get on buses and we do whatever we got to do to get to these shows. We'll even take a loss, you know, if it the gig may only pay three hundred dollars and you spent two hundred of it getting there. 
and you might have overdrank your tab and spent fifty dollars on drinks. You know, you three states away now with fifty dollars in your pocket, getting back on a Greyhound. So there is a level of like, damn, you know, you just get to jump over here without any real, um, without any real, uh, I guess, hazing or putting in the work or time. And you know, yeah, it is what it is. It sucks. I'll, I'll say that it sucks, but it's like. You know, it ain't taken away from nobody, as people were saying. But you do feel how you feel, and I think two things can be true. You know, what's meant for you is meant for you. He's not taking anything from anybody, but also, that sucks. That somebody gets to just jump in our lane. And I mean, I guess people could argue, because someone kind of said, well, how do you think rappers feel about Lil Duval doing music? And you go, oh, okay. Yeah, you got a point. So, you know, anybody that, you know, hooks up a SoundCloud is now a rapper. Anybody that, you know, creates an account is now a rapper. So it, it is what it is. And I think two things can be true. I think Black Ron had a point, but he did come back later on his Instagram page and kind of say, I talked to T.I. and it's cool or whatever. It's all love. You know, after some people who work pretty close with T.I. were like, hey, man, there's some bullshit and you hating. And I don't like to call people haters. You feel, you feel how you feel. And I think that that feeling is valid and should be respected. As well as the idea of, you know, what's meant for him is meant for him. And like I said, at best, probably like I said with the Wendy Williams tours, that at best... He'll go out with four real legit stand-up comedians. Cause K Dub is somebody who everybody should know. Dude is funny as fuck. You know, so maybe he'll go out on tour and do 10 cities and it'll bring more eyes to stand-up comedy. Cause we're on life support. It's a dying art form. There are no death jams or comic views. We are on life support. So whatever draws more attention to us i guess is for the better even though we feel how we feel and the reality is even if he does do a tour you may not be one of the five comedians on said tour so you feel like hey this dude's fucking up the game and it needs to be said and like i said i respect all sides of that because yeah this shit is a grind and it's tough but uh yeah, T.I. got added to the Shaq All-Star Comedy Jam, which over the years has been pretty prestigious. You know, it brings out the big stars, but every year they kind of bring up a newer comedian, which, like I said, K-Dub, I think, won it in the past. And then, like, uh, who else won? Oh, LeVar Walker, who's also another very funny, which he's actually famous for on the Shaq All-Star all those T.I. memes that you see where they mention him saying big words. LeVar Walker did a hilarious impression of T.I. on the Shaq All-Star Comedy search. And uh, didn't get a lot of the credit for it. That he was kind of one of the first people to point out how funny T.I. is. And how he'll wear his hats and they never fall off his head. But... <laughs> No matter what angle the hat is at, it never manages to fall off his head. And the fact that he uses these huge words, uh, you know, what is expeditiously, which T.I., you can tell he has a sense of humor because he named his podcast expeditiously after everybody mocked him for using that word. But 
Yeah, he's in it to stand up, but like I said, it, it'll probably go the way of a Will Smith or, and at best, like I said, it'll be on tour and bring out five comedians that some of these cities never heard of. So I'ma just chill on that. And I mean, it is what it is. Such is the world we live in. But the way dude felt and the way some comedians feel is true. But uh, I think that's about all I wanted to say to y'all here <laughs> in this episode. Um, It's a little bit out of order because uh, over the last few days, like I said, I've been hella busy and really haven't had time to do too much of nothing. Uh, but definitely do go check out on the 28th, 228, my episode, which is a Monday. My episode of uh, On the Ropes with BET will drop on their YouTube page. Go check that out. Uh, I think at the end of this, I'm going to place the... Uh, I ran about Joe Rogan and tell y'all a little bit in depth about what, where I've been for the last two months. Because like I said, I did take kind of a long break there. I did, didn't intend for it to be that way, but that's just the way it turned out. So thanks for listening and checking back in with your boy. And uh, I think we're pretty much caught up. I brought you up to speed on sports a little a little up to speed on comedy here and like I said at the end I'm gonna place this segment where I talk in depth about Joe Rogan and censorship and Whoopi Goldberg and all that stuff so like I said thanks for listening check out the next segment like share subscribe everybody and I'm back I'm gonna try to hit you every Monday or every other Monday like I was in the past and these episodes are going to get shorter, but I've been gone for so long that I had to come back and bless you with it. I think this one's at an hour, 40 minutes now because I've been gone so long. But we're going to try to keep them shorter and, you know, keep giving you the business, giving you these thoughts. It'll keep me from ranting on Facebook so much and whatnot. But uh, like I said, thanks for listening. Check out this next segment. I think it's the last segment in the way I'm going to order this. But uh, yeah ran a little bit about the Joe Rogan and all that stuff but uh that's it <laughs> all right folks been a while since my last episode man uh where should I even start uh I guess we'll start here we'll start with uh we'll start with where I've been and what I've been up to man um I think two things happened right so one is I started doing another podcast with Avery Mason uh yeah but I don't know though that's the title of it if you don't know though um and yeah I just got real busy with that and that is like super hard to schedule or whatever so then I was also trying to schedule mine with Ibrahim but I also I also um I also was doing YouTube and trying to get that popping. And I think I burnt myself out on doing podcasts because it got to a point where I was talking maybe four times a week and not just talking, but talking for hours, you know? So yeah, I think I just burnt myself out on doing podcasts and I didn't see it coming or feel it coming. I just woke up one day and said, fuck it. I'll do the podcast next week. And then next week became next week, and next week became next week. How Kanye said on the uh, end of college dropout, uh, cause next summer I ain't finna say next summer I'm finna. 
And yeah, I was saying next summer I'm finna. So yeah, that's what happened with me. Also, one of the reasons I got so busy is um I started back working. I was off for probably what like eight months. Them Biden bucks ran out. That unemployment ran out, folks. So uh I was broken than I ever been. You know how Rick Ross said, richer than I ever been? I was broker than I ever been probably since I was like 16. Because uh, me, myself, I got, I got my first two jobs at the same time when I was 16. And uh, <laughs> I still remember my dad just being like, boy, I'm like, yo, you know, I've been trying to get a job all summer and I messed around and got two in the same week. And I was asking my dad, like, yo, what do I do? I should quit one, right? He's like, nah, work one a few days. Work one of them jobs a few days. And then see which one you like and then quit one. Which I ain't acting like it was no ball of shit or nothing. It was just Baskin Robbins and Hollywood video. But yeah, that's what my dad told me to do. And I still remember this dude, he's... This kid, his name, I think his name was like Bill or some shit anyway. Black dude, but he he was he was stealing out my register. It was like we had these codes that you had to punch in. And because I was new, instead of him just telling me my code, the manager at Basket Roberts, he was writing both codes down. And the kid would do stuff like work before me, and then he would steal out my register. And I remember you know, going to the job or whatever. And, you know, we was all like teenagers, kids or whatever. I think it might've been one person that was like 20. So he felt like he was in charge. And I mean, he was, but it's because he was fucking 20 and the rest of us were like 15, 16. But anyway, I remember just standing there. One of the dudes goes, yeah, you know, you got to watch Phil. And you know me, I, I'm like, no, man, that's a serious accusation. Like, hey, bro, watch me. What the fuck that means? So yeah, I was ready to quit. Then I remember them saying they watched the cameras and they seen the dude will take like $50 out of my drawer before I got there. But that ain't why I told y'all this. This what what was funny about that was he came in for work the next day after he got fired and told the manager, yeah, man. The manager was like, uh, you got fired yesterday. Why are you here? And he was like, man, all that. I thought that was a dream. <laughs> Just stupid shit that kids do. But yeah, I was broker than I ever been. So yeah, you know, I, I fucked up. Uh, like I said, I was off work for like 10 months. Eight maybe months. I don't even remember how long. But the Biden bucks ran out. Unemployment got cut off. So I had to get a new game plan. And I mean, actually, I was one of the people lucky enough to, uh, to work through the pandemic. Like, okay. When did the pandemic start? Almost two years ago. I, I worked all the way through, you know, I was doing my cabin thing, you know. For those of you who don't know, that's the day gig, you know, that keeps the night gigs going. Um, so yeah, I was doing that all the way through the pandemic. So if, if the pandemic started, what, 2020? Yeah, early 2020, March of 2020. I worked all the way to the next February, so February 2021. And I kept losing partners as far as my cab. I was doing the yellow cab thing. I kept losing partners. And 
I had had the same partners for like four or five years. So shit really just interrupted my flow, money making wise and stuff. So yeah, by February of 2021, after working a full year through the pandemic, I was like, well shit, why don't I just go home like everybody else? So <laughs> I went ahead to turn the car in and me and my last partner left, we made the decision to just give it up like that. Or like, we ain't making no money. There really ain't no passengers out here. What's the point? And I mean, they had given us a pretty nice deal on the cab during the pandemic. It was, they were just taking half because it's like, yo, you might only go out. You, you, you might go out for three hours and only pick up five people. So it's like, shit. You take 25, I take 25. And I mean, that ain't nothing, but you had to figure out how to scrape by. I know everybody had to figure out some sort of emergency plan. So I'm really not tripping. It is what it is. But yeah, I worked straight to through to February 2021. And then I had like eight months off. And then two months ago or so, I went back to work. So I'm back working now. Had to get a car, had to figure that much out, and now I'm doing the fucking Uber thing. And I gotta say, man, technology fucking technology does improve things, man. Technology improves things. Like the amount of work you had to do with Yellow Cab as far as trying to find passengers is insane. So, you know, then I, we were working 12 hour shifts. Now I'm working like five and going the fuck home. Because Uber has cut down the technology of not having to look for customers has made, you know, the improvement of finding people a lot faster. You know, you don't have to find the people. The app finds the people for you. So, yeah, I'm working like five hours now. But it was an adjustment. I had to figure out, you know, how to do it, what times to come out, all that type shit. And like I said, somewhere between getting back to work and losing, you know, that time. And like I said, between doing the YouTube and doing my other podcast with Avery, <laughs> I, I just lost track of y'all. But I wanted to make sure I got back to you. Definitely knew I was coming back. I just didn't know when. I woke up this morning with some shit on my brain about, you know, everything that's going on. And I'm like, let me talk to y'all. I was, I was going to make one real long Facebook post, but I said, nah. I said, let me come back and talk to y'all properly. I had some good things happen, though, in between then. Uh, the BET show that we did uh, on the ropes BT, for BET came out on their YouTube page. My episode doesn't come out till. February 28th so look out for that check that out uh, we did that actually last year so I'm happy it came out we did that last around last Thanksgiving so it took a whole year for it to come out and I was a little worried because I'm like oh, some of these jokes or punchlines probably gonna be a little time sensitive you know what I mean so I'm glad they got that out in the time that they did. The edit looks good. Uh, it was fun. The check cleared. Uh, I got a credit. Um, <laughs> only thing about it was we didn't have no audience. That's the only thing about it. Due to COVID, we didn't have no audience. So when we land the jokes, it can sound a little like, almost like there's not that many people laughing. And that's because there's not that many people laughing. Basically, the staff wound up becoming our audience 
you know, because we weren't allowed to have an audience due to COVID restrictions, but whatever, it's out there, go check it out, I got to work with some very funny people, obviously my man Avery, I wound up battling him, who else is on that show, Eva Evans, very funny girl I want to have on the podcast soon, uh, who else, oh, Maddie Smith, the only white girl on Wild and Out, which she's been around the New York scene for a while now, she, she's funny, man, you guys will enjoy her, uh, she's on there, Throwing some mean shots, Alex Babbitt. That's that's the homie. Oh, and that was the other podcast I was doing. So yeah, I was working with Alex Babbitt, Eagle Wit, Nico White. We were all Andre Thompson. We were all doing which the original version of this podcast was me and Andre Thompson. But uh, scheduling conflicts, man, and that's why I think also in the future I'm a um I think keep it I'm gonna keep it short and tight. And I'm going to also just do it myself. I've been wanting to, I guess my vision for podcasts when I first started, my vision was to kind of have a black Legion of Skanks kind of vibe. I don't know if y'all know about Luis Gomez and his podcast. I I think they're fun, just a band of brothers that get together and make podcasts and, and they're toxic and they're masculine and all that shit that people don't like and i've been a guest on his podcast so i kind of was going with that format the idea was to get a studio somewhere and do do it like that but it just never came to fruition as people say i'm not quite sure what that word means but that's the phrase that people say so y'all can google that anyway so yeah it just never quite came together like I wanted it to. But uh I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead in the future and just do this one myself because you know, like I said, A was my time and getting back to work here and also having shows to do and also having a podcast with Avery and then also, you know, sometimes with Ibrahim, he's got a family and different stuff, so no no diss to him and you know, shouts out to him, but yeah, it just got kind of tough as far as, you know, I, oh, I got time Saturday at 2. And you go, oh, Saturday at 2? I got some shit to do with my girl. Oh, you know, <laughs> Tuesday at 3, let's do it. So I think in the future, I'm going to keep trying to get these two y'all on Mondays. But I'm going to just keep it to me. And maybe I'll try to have a guest on here and figure that out as far as getting them fight stories and keeping the theme going. Uh, but yeah, I, I wanted to get back to y'all. Y'all hang tight. We got, we got some things we gonna discuss. You know, I'm actually driving through Brooklyn here. I'm damn near in Brownsville, so you know how it be when you get out here. So, but uh, yeah, we, we hang tight. We're gonna we're gonna get the consistency back flowing with these episodes and whatnot. But uh, you know. I, and I definitely checked the numbers. I see, you know, I had 35 listeners on the last episode. And then we came into the new year. Like I said, I said, yeah, I'll talk next week. And then next week became next week. And then the week after that became the week after that. But but we back now. All right. So, yeah, I took a little break. I'm, I'm here driving around the streets, so. Like I said, I'ma just have to multitask a little here. I woke up with a lot of shit on the brain, a lot of thoughts. It was gonna be one long Facebook post. But I said, no, nah. I said I got other ways to get at y'all. So let's let's get into it. Uh what what did I want to talk? What was on my chest this morning? 
so, 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 so a few things. One was uh, Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan's in hot water. If y'all haven't heard, um, you know, he's he's his N-word compilation got re-released during Black History Month. So if he can survive this N-word compilation during Black History Month, then he can survive anything. Now, how do I say here? As a person, oh, I'm driving around, so y'all gonna hear a little bit of honking. A little bit of fire trucks, you know Brooklyn. I'm get, leaving Brooklyn actually, <laughs> trying to get the hell out of here. It's a little crazy, raining on a Monday, so might even hear a few Jamaicans cussing me out. You know, I am a real rude boy and all that kind of shit, cause we all Flatbush right now. Anyway, so we have. Rogan's in hot water. Uh, Rogan's N-word compilation mixtape got re-released because it's about the third time it spun the block. Uh, <laughs> if you've been paying attention to the internet, and I mean, he is saying the N-word a lot. You like, damn, Rogan, you definitely leaning into that. But I'll say, as as someone who kind of has vested interest here, meaning multiple interests here, because I'm a comedian. And I am a fan of the Rogan podcast. Uh, you know, it's just a place where guys are shooting and shit. I mean, that's what the Tough Talk podcast somewhat is. You know, it's just just dudes shooting the shit. There really are no um, inhibitions or restrictions over here. I'm open to whatever somebody brings to the fourth floor. So, you know, his is kind of the same. Uh, and that's the whole format, really. So, as somebody with vested interests, I'll say, I probably wouldn't allow him to say the N-word around me. I would be like, bro, what the fuck's up with that? Because as people say, you know, there's a difference a little bit between what's on stage and what isn't. Although I'll say, you know, there was a time when context mattered. And that's the thing. And you could get off into, well, the context is you're white. And that is somewhat true. But like I said, I, I think he's been talking for 15 years or so doing a podcast. So it's like, if you talk for two hours, probably twice a week for 15 years, people are going to be able to pull shit and edit it together. Now, here's the thing. They couldn't edit it together if you wasn't saying it. So like I said, even doing the podcast with Avery, sometimes I'll say to him, you know, don't say that. And the only reason I say don't say it is not because I necessarily give a fuck, but I just know 15 years from now, they'll edit all this shit together and make it look like, you know, one long monologue, a nigga monologue, if you will. So, <laughs> so you got to understand really how the enemy is playing. The enemy is playing a lot of dirty games out here. So you got to kind of be in front of that. So, yeah, as a black person, I feel a little like, oh, yeah, you probably shouldn't have been saying that. But I I do, as a person, understand the context as a comic of, okay, <laughs> well, there was a time when we did refer to the thing we were speaking of. It's not directed at anybody. And then there's also that Planet of the Apes story that, you know, I, I'm not sure where the fuck he was going with that one. But I can't say I've never went to make a joke, been interrupted by somebody, and then and then it sounded away. You know what I mean? So 
there's that too. I had that shit happen to me the other night. I forget what I was saying, but somebody didn't hear what all of what I said and before I could even finish my statement. You know, oh, oh man, did you just say? Well, and then it was, oh, you didn't say that. And it's like, yeah, but you done already dropped your fucking pre-prepared speech, you fucking, uh, you fucking, <laughs> you fucking, uh, I don't know. They just were... It just sometimes you can feel like you're on a podcast even when you're not. And and you can feel like someone's trying to save face. Even when there's no face to save that it's like, bro, we at a comedy club. We just in the back, you know, chopping it up. You you didn't have to distance yourself from my statement immediately. Like there's no sponsors, nigga. I don't know who you thought was back here, but they're not here. So and here's the thing with the thing, though. I think I've probably said this before on here, but it's like with podcasts, with Facebook, with social media, with Twitter, with all these apps are created for us to communicate. And some of the ideas aren't fully worked through. Right. So a little bit, we become like those kids that um, we become like the kids who, you know, run and tell mama every time somebody says a bad word and what would happen in my household and growing up i had you know three sisters and a brother so five kids total so my mother didn't have time and neither did my father really to referee us at a certain point at a certain point it just became like look here's how i'm gonna treat this you're uh i don't have time to referee us so when one of y'all hits the other one or one of y'all cusses at the other one, you can't always come and tell, you know, wink, wink, cuss them out back or fight them back, hit them back. And then it's between y'all. So what we kept doing with social media and with the podcast now is we keep, um, we keep telling the parent to the to the point that the parent doesn't care anymore and that's what the mom would say then after 10 times she would say all right well i'm not finna keep refereeing y'all so the next person that comes and tells me anything you're all getting whooped so at this point we're all just getting whooped and i mean uh i'll let that segue into this that if you've been paying attention we got a uh, whoopi goldberg got suspended from the view for speaking on the holocaust and i mean i don't really want to get into what she said because if they'll suspend her ain't no telling what they'll do to my black ass and i mean they suspended Whoopi on the first day of black history month uh <laughs> even though she has a jewish last day they like look Whoopi. uh when you return you'll be uh you'll be angela johnson or whoever the hell you are really <laughs> but yeah on the first day of black history month and i mean what she said i guess was technically inaccurate it gets tricky because like people say you know sometimes it's a race sometimes it's a religion but they suspended her and 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 my point is you know there are people who would say all right well Whoopi really didn't say nothing but joe rogan's over here saying the n-word and 
these censors and these moderators and even some of these executives at this point, they're the parent that just goes, I don't even care if there's any outrage, I'm just going to whoop everybody. So my advice to y'all is quit telling on each other. There was a time when if you didn't like some shit, you just didn't listen. I wouldn't give a fuck if David Duke himself got a TV show. It's like, quit telling. Okay, you didn't like what somebody said over there. Cool, they didn't like what the fuck you said over here. Like, this idea that we're all just gonna like what each other has to say is just silly. It's like... Yeah, you know, that's not for you. You know, the view is not for me. There's four women sitting there talking about whatever. I doubt I'm ever going to agree with them. You know, Oprah, uh, Ayanla Van Zandt. It's, it's like Kevin Samuels. That's who's for me. <laughs> that's who's for, you know what I mean? There's different people. It, sometimes it's, you know, and really... I think they chopped it up and said Joe Rogan said this N-word 70 times or so on his show, right? So you go, and then someone goes, how did he get away with saying it 70 times? He got away with it because ain't no black people listening to the damn show. And that, that you know, that, that tells the whole story. So yeah, it's like, you know, that that's how he got away with it. Because unless you're a comic, you ain't listening to no damn Joe Rogan. This motherfucker's bald. What is he, like 40, 45? I think he's probably pushing 50, Joe Rogan. This motherfucker's got cop face. <laughs> he looks like a member of the police department. You know what I mean? So that's how he got away with it. And I think India Ari, uh, you know, said she was pulling her music. And I mean, he first got in trouble for COVID misinformation. And I'm like... Could somebody misinform you if you weren't, you know, open to misinformation? Could you, could you be misinformed? It's just silly, you know. It's like, you know, it is a comedy podcast. And it's just people shooting the shit and spreading their ideas. But it's just like, like I said, you know. And then here's the thing that upsets me too. It's like, why... You know, why do y'all, you know, the FCC and stuff back in the day, which I forget what they actually stand for or what, you know, FCC, I think used to be like radio standards. They would, you know, be the ones trying to censor or get things pulled. Um, so now you got not the FCC, but you got just actual people being upset or offended. The Federal Communications Commission. That's what they... And they used to try to censor like Eminem and stuff back in the day. But um, but that's like an organization, a commission. There are people who actually get paid. So then you had uh, C. Dolores Tucker trying to... Um, C. Dolores Tucker trying to censor a lot of rap music. And, you know, the difference is these people get paid. And even the NAACP at times will pull up on people and try to get it shut down. But they get paid. Al Sharpton gets paid to do that. 
So when I see some of these people going so hard on Twitter or whatever social media platform about cancel this person or cancel that one, it's like, bro, you, there are people who get paid and you don't get paid to do that. And then it's weird because, you know, every week they've got a new person. Like I said, they got Whoopi, they got him hemmed up and it's just like I said we, we've told our parents and you even see that like on Facebook now you leave a comment I used to never get flagged you leave a comment alright so I got flagged a few times but that's none of y'all fucking business but no you leave a comment on someone's post and come back the comment gone and they talking about yeah that's bullying or hate speech and you like bro I just said like you know and one time I just said like uh I just said, you know, I think I said something like someone had a show and I commented, yeah, kill them tonight. And I think they blocked that because I had the word kill in there. And it's like, you know, y'all have told the parents so much that they're just whooping everybody. Everybody's getting a whoop from me to whoopee. Excuse the bad pun there, whoopee. Anyway, yeah, so... Stop telling the parents, man. Just here's the thing: when when hate is allowed to fester, like okay, you know, people keep talking about platforming people, and it's like, oh, well, stop giving them a platform. And if you Joe Rogan didn't allow them on, it's like, no, I want to hear what Richard Spencer has to say, and the reason I want to hear it is so I know who to stay away from so yeah let Richard Spencer come on and let him you know say that you know there was someone on the podcast saying that you know black people had smaller brains let that guy come on and it wasn't Richard Spencer see I don't want to misinform y'all and then y'all go tell the parents and we all get fucking whoops but yeah some other white guy wasn't Richard Spencer but I was using him as an example went on there and was saying you know black people had smaller brains I want to know who he is I want to be able to see who in my friends list follows him. You know, I want to keep track of these people. It's like Timothy McVeigh all those years ago that, you know, blew up the Oklahoma City building or the Oklahoma City bombing it's known as. And there's documentaries on this dude. You know, he was uh, going around and collecting white supremacist books and different stuff like that. And at these gun shows and NRA meetings and stuff, they said, you know, he would trade newsletters with other white supremacists and stuff and that was his issue with the uh oklahoma city you know they were bringing in immigrants and different stuff in that building you know united nations and doing that type of work and he blew up that building on some racist type shit so it's like you know he just got to fester around the hills of oklahoma and uh you know, the Great West there, Montana and all that shit. Those are good areas to go be all alone and think about who you want to bomb. And that was pre-internet. No social media, no podcast. So what I'm saying is, you know, had it we've had these days, McVeigh would have been on the Joe Rogan. He would have told you all the shit he was getting ready to do. So, or how he thought, you know what I mean? We had this dude documented. We know why. I ain't saying we could have stopped him from doing it, but I'm just saying, like, these people, let these people show you who they are. It's like, you know, and then that's the thing, too, because it's balance. It's like, 
you know, if this motherfucker stays on Spotify, put Farrakhan on there. I know they took Farrakhan down off the internet, him and Alex Jones, and it's like, you know, all of these people balance each other out to me. It's like, you know, like I said, yeah, okay, I don't like him saying that, or you don't, I'm sure somebody doesn't like some shit you say, so... At a point, we got to stop whining, you know. I listen to Tariq Nasheed. I'm sure there are people who don't like what he says. You know, the uh, <laughs> the Africans and whatever, because he's always making fun of them for being non-FBA. And Oh, brother, that's a non-FBA hairline there. He's always clowning and cutting up. I think I told y'all that nigga called Doja Cat a mulatress, and I ain't never heard no shit that funny. So at a point, it's like, these are all YouTube personalities and uh, podcasts or some form of radio shows. And back in the day, you would complain because they had sponsors. And that was how you would get rid of, okay, Steve Harvey said what on his morning show? Uh, well, his Bud Light is one of his sponsors. Bud Light would come out with a statement and say, oh, we don't agree. Like, okay, Cam Newton, you know, when he... uh was playing for the Panthers originally there a few years ago when he was the NFL MVP. Um, he, he said something about women. Oh, the woman reporter said something, something when you threw that route and he looked at her and said, route, you know routes? You know your stuff for a woman. And she and the whole, everybody lost this shit. Oh, what you mean for a woman? He was thoroughly impressed with her knowledge of the game. And, and, and you know, in that moment, said, whoa, <laughs> you know about them routes? What? What you know about them goddamn routes? And, I mean, it was that innocent and playful. Anyway, he had a sponsor, uh, Dan and Yogurt, and they pulled out. Uh, super pause. <laughs> That's hilarious, actually. <laughs> Talking about Yogurt and pulling out because, uh, yeah, it looks like that stuff. Anyway, in the movie Philadelphia, uh, they showed us that shit in class. They showed us it in like sixth grade. Movie Philadelphia, the guys, the lawyers are playing around and making jokes. And they're like, one, one of the guys says to the other guy, do you like hot yogurt on your back? <laughs> so I never forget that. And every time I think, so now when people bring up yogurt, that's what I think of. And I mean, they showed us that movie in school, trying to, I think, teach us about acceptance and the AIDS epidemic and whatnot. So, yeah. So, anyway, where was I? Yeah. So, his sponsor, Dan and Yoger, pulled out, you know. And it was just one of them things like, like I said, you know, these people had sponsors. That's the point. Podcasts. There are no sponsors. There's no, and, and for most of them, you know, obviously if you get as high up as Joe Rogan does or is, then you do have sponsors. And I mean, if you've been paying attention, it's been like a circus, you know, because the podcast started existing because people wanted to get away from the radio and from sponsors. So they went over and made this, you know, free form thing and, put it up without any, you know, pay. So for something to have come from such a place of love, I think it's so weird 
that people basically troll podcasts now. It's like, like I said, if two people talk for two hours, you're gonna find something that's wrong or you know that you disagree with. I ain't even we're gonna stop using such binary terms as wrong or right because it's more than two options in this world. You know, this world ain't binary, it's never A or B, it's A and B and C, you know, or all of the above. So for people to pretend there's a wrong and right, there's just shit you don't agree with or shit that upsets you. And we need to get back to that. Like I said, if you don't like some shit, just don't listen. It's like, you know, what, what is, well, I guess Alex Jones was kind of, <laughs> I thought his was funny and him getting banned because if you remember InfoWars, he, uh, he, uh, he, kept saying about ping pong pizza there in DC as a pizza spot. I'll explain it short for those of you who don't listen. He kept saying that, or don't know, he kept saying that, you know, uh, Obama and different politicians were purchasing children, you know, for sexual reasons. And, you know, they call up and order two large pizzas and that's actually, you know, one Asian boy and a little Hispanic girl. And you go, wait, what? And he kept putting that out there till somebody really went to the ping pong pizza place with a shotgun and kind of was like, yo, I heard y'all got kids in their basement. And, you know, the dude got arrested in the whole nine. And, you know, turns out they checked his internet history and boom, Infowars, Alex Jones. That's what he was listening to. So, and, and more famously, the crisis actors that he was, uh, saying that the um the um what was this shooting here in newton connecticut the uh adam liska is his name the one that got the gun from his mother and went there and shot all those kids you know elementary school and you know all, all which yes misinformation but i think you have to be dumb anyway and it's like who misinformed timothy mcveigh like we just said you know this stuff has been happening so to blame it on a particular podcast or tv show or going back to when they would blame it on you know gangster rap and you say all right well if you're gonna blame this on nwa you know what what rap music were you listening to when you came over here and murdered all the native americans what 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 rap song was that so at a point it's like yo uh, we, we just gotta, we, you know, people are nuts because they're nuts. They're not nuts because of entertainment. Can it push them over the edge? I don't know, maybe, but but yeah, I think that's real irresponsible, you know. Um, but yeah, these people had sponsors. Like I said, with Cam Newton, you could control his speech a little there because you could pull the Dan and yogurt and... You know, that's why people started podcasts was to get away from sponsorship and being controlled and, oh, can you advertise this or do this commercial? Oh, can you not talk about that? So for us to have gotten away from them, it just looks like, you know, just to have people outraged every week. And if you've been paying attention, you know, to Twitter, social media and whatnot, 
So there's Joe Rogan, obviously Joe Budden, who gets in trouble every other week, which he makes me laugh because he, I seen he had an episode the other day called, you know, protect black women. And it's like, all right, pandering ass Joe, like, and I ain't gonna knock nobody for growth. He's obviously not the guy he was when he made Pump It Up. You know, my jump off, never want nothing on Valentine's Day and all that shit, talking crazy about chicks. Which, you know, obviously there's rap, which is about like our jokes that it's like, well, the whole point is it's not real. But I know Joe has gotten into it with a couple women. I'm not going to say to the extent of what, but cops have been called. I don't judge men on their on their uh, extramarital problems. Shouts out to Kanye, by the way. <laughs> Speaking of extramarital problems, goddamn Kanye and domestic disputes and whatnot. Because I do understand that relationships are real. There's real emotions involved. And as a man, you're really not even allowed to raise your voice or suggest that your daughter not be on TikTok, which that's what Kanye is. You know, now people are upset about that, that it's just like Kanye, man. Whew, what the hell? Anyway. So, yeah, you know, Joe Black pandering, protect black bro. Come on, stop. You know, you've had your issues. So you who are you to really judge, you know, other men? for having their issues with their ladies and whatnot and you know we as poor guys we have problems with our women you know so you add sprinkle in you know 10 million dollars now on top of whatever issues you have with your girl add money to that and i bet it become a volatile situation and i mean mind you problems with your family kobe and his mom had beef you know R.I.P. Kobe and his mom had beef. Look into that, you know. She was selling a lot of his memorabilia and stuff. And him and his mom, I, I think they said, hadn't spoken in a while. So it's like, yeah, man. Sprinkle money on top of the issues you already had with family or your girlfriend or wife. And, and like I said, have some fucking empathy. So, yeah, Joe with all that pandering, Joe Button, that is. Um, you know, Joe... Uh, Rogan and Joe Budden would alternate, you know, weeks of people being pissed off about things that were said on their podcast. Joe Budden, there was a thing with this girl where he just kind of was in, I don't know if he was drunk or what, but was like, yo, so you gonna let me hit it? Would you let me hit it? And, and it was just awkward at a point of like, bro, you're on air. And the girl kind of sheepishly giggled and she came out and said, you know, how offended she was at you know what he had did but she didn't really know what to do it was happening live and it's like bro there's like four dudes there and even rory and maul kind of was looking like hey joe joe back to the show so yeah he had to issue a statement and that was probably six months ago and say you know i don't know what i was thinking in that moment we got to do better for the women and blah 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 and it's like bruh cut the shit like you're clearly toxic it clearly is what it is i'm a toxic nigga so i you know what i mean it, it's not like it's not illegal to be that and, and we got to get away from that you know women a little bit are trying to uh neuter us and trying to make us try to make us not be men which is weird but and then in the same breath will be like protect me no you neutered me already i'm incapable of protecting anybody at this point you neutered me you told me what language i'm allowed to speak what words i'm allowed to say 
what clothes to wear, how to behave, how to stand, and all that shit. So yeah, it's it's weird, real 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 climate right now. Like I said, we got these pockets was getting away from sponsors and radio shows and people just being able to say what the fuck they needed to say and what was on their chest. And it's a beautiful art form. And here, here we are, you know, people are ruining it by going, listen to what he said. And I mean, it started off no networks and whatever, but now the networks realize it's big business. So they've tapped in a little with the sponsorship and Spotify's and uh, you know, YouTube's offering big deals and advertisement dollars for creators. So here we are. And uh, if it ain't Joe Button or you know these guys, then it's uh, then it's um, Fresh and Fit that these people been messing with. Uh, Google Fresh and Fit podcast and see these two guys that you know. They do one of those um, dating, is it dating podcasts? Or they talk about women a lot. I guess they call it lifestyle, you know, fitness and, you know, men, whatever. The manosphere is what people refer to it as. The, you know, YouTube spaces where men go to talk and talk about women. And, you know, I, I guess how to be a man, which I, I, briefly tuned in just to see what it was about but best as i could figure it out you know they'll have like instagram models on and they'll loosely kind of talk about dating or what the women like which if i was a younger guy meaning a 12 13 year old i definitely would check out some fresh and fit right before spraying on some axe body spray and going to the middle school dance and you know let these two kind of goofy looking lame looking dudes tell me how to pick up chicks because <laughs> because i mean they, they got some beautiful white instagram models there this is what they said they like so yeah i'm gonna get the axe body spray i'm gonna listen to about 10 minutes of fresh and fit and i'm gonna be in you know you're a young man you don't know how to really get women or whatever and that's a that's a vulnerable period so when i see a hundred million people or not 100 million, let me be clear with these numbers, 2 million people or whatever, a million people follow Fresh and Fit. I understand those are all kids that, you know, and young men, it is nobody who's 30 because women are, if y'all listening to this, y'all in sales. And it's like, girl, ain't no grown ass man tuning into them. It's young boys that, you know, they don't know any better that it's like, nah, bro, you know, every chick's different, so you know, having one way of picking them up isn't going to work, which I say every chick's different, but I'll tell you, pro tip, all the women like to eat, bro. Food. <laughs> there you go. Got to count them a little. Anyway, what was I saying? So yeah, they'll kind of alternate, you know, Fresh and Fit was in the hot water, and of course people start searching, are there any logos or advertisement during their podcast? And then they'll start tagging whoever the advertiser you're using which this one conveniently has no advertisement so i say whatever the fuck i want on here but yeah it just and and if you notice all guys and and that's what happened you know the girls start saying they don't like something and the guys in order to get attention from the girls go oh i don't like it either when in all actuality they probably don't give a shit but i'm saying that to say you know, when it's alternating from Joe Button to Joe Rogan to 
um, fresh and fit or whoever else. It's just like, okay, why is it all guys? Although the girl Ari did get in trouble recently. Uh, Ari, if you're listening, Ari Fletcher, I believe, is one of these rappers' girls that Lil Durkin might be. Don't quote me. I'm, you know, whatever. Lil Durk, Lil Baby. I don't fucking know. One of the littles. Anyway. What was she on? She oh was on that girl. What is her name? The girl who had that viral video where they were like, uh, what does she say on that joint? It's very funny, actually. Uh, you know, uh, what does it say? Why are you being weird to me? That girl who's, you know, I guess a personality, maybe an Instagram comedian is what you would call her. She, um, she Ari was on her podcast and kind of said, uh-uh, I like my men extra toxic. You know, I want them to come in the room and, and pull a gun on me when I'm trying to leave and say, where the fuck you think you going? And Rihanna, who, you know, that girl, Ari, was like, a, I guess, a spokesperson for, a spokesperson for Savage Fenty, her brand or a model for, I should say. And Rihanna, you know, cut her loose up on that and said, yo, you know, how could you say something like that knowing all I've been through with, you know, Chris Brown and my domestic incident? You know, and, and it was clear the girls were playing. Of like, she clearly doesn't mean that. You know what I mean? I'm like, and, that, and that's the thing of like, us picking and choosing, you know, who's playing and who's serious but it's like i think it's all implied that it's like it's all implied that we're playing like and you gotta get that and it's like this tone and context does exist like i said she she was playing and it's like if she doesn't say that then that doesn't mean your incident with chris doesn't exist you know what i mean of like which came first your incident with chris came first so this isn't changing anything. It just and and it's also not inspired. It's not like a guy that doesn't beat his wife is gonna hear that and then go. Although I did just say mainly it's kids listening to these pod, and I think that is maybe a little bit of. But but like I said, the girl was laughing when she said it. Of like she's clearly joking or exaggerating, and I mean she's not a comedian who said that but it's just it just like i said we gotta stop crying it's just it's gonna be the end of podcast people and that's part of my reason you know for falling back a little it's like i might be talking too much who knows what jobs i'm gonna get offered and have to pull back and I, you know i've talked on this podcast about shane gillis who was a comedian and or is a comedian white boy that uh said some things on his podcast some years ago and all the haters came out when he got SNL and you know that boy and people keep oh well nobody actually loses nothing I just named two or three people who've lost some so it ain't the person who gets canceled your checks get canceled so all that I did you know it's always a real safe motherfucker talking about nobody actually loses nothing and I hate that narrative. It's always an old Mr. I say everything right ass person trying to say, oh, 
Well, no one actually gets canceled. The baby lost plenty of money. Talk to the baby's bank account. But yeah, I don't want to rant about cancel culture for too long. Cause I, I know we, we, we've talked about it and we've got six Dave Chappelle specials about it. So, but uh, I guess I'll close out with saying this. There was a guy, a kid in Minnesota who, a no-knock warrant. The cops served him a no-knock warrant and uh, shot him. They said he had a gun inside the crib. But you never can believe what these motherfuckers say because they lie a lot. So who knows whether he was reaching for it or, it, you know, they may have planted it next to his body after, you know, shooting him. But anyway, a no-knock warrant in Minnesota, which Minnesota, where George Floyd happened, they said the same judge that, you know, authorized or, you know, dispatched Derek Chauvin, basically. Or, you know, Derek Chauvin worked for him in that same district, you know, killed this kid shot him to death or whatever in his own home no knock warrant just as they did Breonna Taylor that it's like so now you got all us black people we worried about Whoopi on the view and we worried about Joe Rogan saying the n-word when you know these people might not have said the n-word but they treating you like one and they shooting you like one and you know there's a clip of Joe Biden years ago saying so it's like should we be more worried about the lawmakers who say these things because they mean it that woman you know that i said a few months ago that that guy in alabama he called that woman a house nigger with the r bro so it's like you know that guy is way more dangerous than joe rogan and and he directed that word at someone and not just someone but a black woman and a black woman in congress or not in congress but a politician an actual lawmaker so yeah, I think we get a little distracted with this shit that it's like, let's worry about these fucking no-knock warrants. Let's worry about that. You know, and getting Joe Rogan up off of Spotify and bringing the boy back a bit no more than it's bringing Breonna Taylor back or any of these people. So yeah, it's like, sometimes I just feel like we, we focused on the wrong thing. Now that, this is probably, I'm going to probably make this the second segment of the podcast or so, because I got some, some happier things I wanted to talk to y'all about, but I definitely wanted to get this off my chest. So this is segment, we're going to, segment one, segment two, who knows where I'm going to place it within the order, but y'all know how I do, and I'm just getting back to y'all and, you know. Want to make sure y'all know y'all important And I need y'all to hear these fucking ideas For they no knock warrant my black ass And that's after they delete my podcast From whatever app it's on <laughs>